0: Welcome to Everything Co op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by National Co op Bank, NCB. NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, Visit ncb.org. That's ncb.org. And now, today, we will interview one of the 2015 Hall of Fame inductees, Daniel T. Kelly. Daniel T. Kelly is the former chairman of the board and president of Growmark. He's the owner and operator of Kelly Farms, a diversified corn, and soybean operation in Normal, Illinois. He's an authentic leader and champion of cooperative development who has spent more than three decades serving the cooperative sector. Mr. Kelly's roots in the cooperative movement began in 1970 when, as a full-time farmer, he joined his local cooperative, Evergreen FS. He later served as president of the organization from 1985 to 2008. And in 1980... Kelly shouldered efforts to reform the farm credit banks, creating a foundation for success that the farm credit system is actually realizing today. He's currently on the board of Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company, CoBank, and Illinois Agricultural Leadership Foundation, which he chairs. Welcome, Daniel Kelly.
1: Good morning. Great to be with you today.
0: Certainly great to be with you as well. I was pleased to meet you at the the Hall of Fame dinner when you received the wonderful honor of being inducted into the Co-op Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that accomplishment.
1: Well, thank you very much. It was indeed an honor. And uh, as I said that evening, while I'm honored, it is really an honor to hopefully to the organizations that I've been involved with for over 40 years.
0: And uh, speaking of those organizations, you've had a a very, very long history with cooperatives that you actually mentioned you had never intended to join, but became an actual integral part of your life. Why don't you share with our audience how you came to become involved in the cooperative movement?
1: Well... uh... As, as you said in the opening remarks, uh, when I graduated college in 1970, I started farming full-time on my own. Prior to that, I'd farmed with my father. And so uh, our local supply co-op was uh, Evergreen FS, actually McLean County Service Company, a predecessor of today's uh, Evergreen FS, uh, providing fuel and fertilizer and seed to, uh, to the local farmers. And so I became a, a customer there and uh through the patronage programs, became a stockholder, and then uh, got involved with the board in 1977 and uh, served on that board until just about a year and a half ago. And uh, I started out as the youngest member, and I outgrew that. And mm-hmm. so uh, retired here just a year and a half ago.
0: Yes, absolutely. You, you mentioned that you actually utilizes the services that F.S provided, and then became involved. What type of services did you take advantage of?
1: Well, at at that time, uh, fuel was uh, the first product that I bought, uh, farm fuel from our our tractors and other equipment, and then uh, eventually uh, fertilizer and seed products. And then over the course of time, the co-op got involved in the ownership of grain elevators, which are storage and handling facilities for corn and soybeans, and so i began marketing my grain through the co-op so really a full circle of services that the co-op provides from inputs to uh, to marketing opportunities
0: now after realizing the benefits of being a part of a co-op i understand that actually uh, when we had the economic downturn you actually turned the co-ops again in the banking arena so you have utilized cooperatives to solve problems. If, if Vernon was here, he would say a cooperative can be any business, and generally a cooperative is solving a problem. So tell us a little bit about the aspect of cooperatives in which it solves problems and has been beneficial to you and how you translated uh, that benefit into banking.
1: Well, um... The, the co-ops and the mutual organization that I'm involved with all were created to solve a problem. In the case of the FS system, it was uh, back in the 1920s. Farmers were had new technology available called the tractor that was replacing horses. and But getting fuel to the farm was difficult because there was not a lot of volume needed, but it was uh, so the price was an issue as well as a reliable supply. And so that was the... Uh, start of the FS system was to provide farmers with reliable, competitively priced supply of fuel. Uh, The same way with the banking, Uh, the farm credit system Mm -hmm. is uh, next year will celebrate its 100th anniversary. And uh, so you go back to 1916 when uh, uh, World War II, early years of of that, and the fact that uh, farmers uh, were needing capital in order to... uh, provide, uh, to acquire land and also to provide provide inputs, uh, the fertilizers and seeds that I talked about earlier. And so as a result of that, the farm credit system was born. And so when you combine the work of the co-op needing capital to provide the seed, fertilizers, and other products that farmers need in order to provide an inventory for that, uh, capital is needed. And so the cooperative system, the FS system, and the co-bank cooperative farm credit system are tied very closely together in terms of providing capital to uh, co-ops and then on to the farmers that uh, raise the crops.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, given the fluctuation of income stream with farming, I would imagine that the relationship with the co-op bank became invaluable, so to speak. And also, I was thinking that in terms of uh, utilizing the the cooperative model, business model, there's there's a benefit in, in doing so as it relates to allowing you to continue on. I, I remember listening to the um, statement by Carolyn Mosley Braun. Uh, during the economic downturn, it appears that we thought that uh, farming was becoming ex- extinct. In fact, I live in uh, Prince George's County, And at at one point, farmers were being paid not to farm. So tell us how you worked through that period.
1: Well, uh, farming and and generally most businesses, but agriculture in particular, is very cyclical. And so you're exactly right that as in good times, uh, prices go up and farmers need capital in order to take advantage of the pricing opportunities, both on the input and on the selling side. But um, back in that that era that you you just mentioned with Carol mosley Braun when she was in the U.S. Senate, it was a very difficult time. Uh, Prices were low, uh, exports uh, were were very slow, and so the economic stress in agriculture was great. Uh, Land prices dropped dramatically. And so the farm credit system uh, was... uh, uh, under a lot of stress as well, because they had lend, loan money to uh, producers and, and uh, landowners that uh, the, the collateral for that had actually declined uh, during the, the late late 70s, actually early 80s uh, to the mid-80s. And so uh, there was a, a real concern that agriculture, uh, as we knew it, was going to uh, no longer exist. But uh, Through the stability and the strength of the farm credit system and actually uh, producers and directors and management people uh, within the system working with the U.S. Congress were able to put some stability into agriculture. And uh, as a result, uh, uh, by the late 80s, things began to turn around and uh, The last 20, 25 years have been some of the more prosperous times in U.S. agriculture. But uh, we're were stronger because of the stress that we endured, and the co-op movement was very integral in helping stabilize agriculture and uh, lead to its uh, current success.
0: We're certainly appreciative of that. I know that in, in terms of that, one of the things that Vernon often does is reflect upon these principles, these co-op principles. And I know that um, members' economic participation is um, one that comes to light right here. And also, I wanted to talk a little bit about this agribusiness. And, you know, I I can't believe that I'm about to open up a, a new discussion with you. And we're going to have to take a pause, so I don't want to open up the discussion and then have to uh, curtail your comments. So what I'm going to do is invite people to call in at 1-800-450-7876. That's 1-800-450-7876. If you want to learn more about Mr. Kelly, he actually has all of his history on the Internet at heroes.coop, Daniel T. Kelly. So... If you stay with us, don't touch that dial. We will be right back. 1450 WOL. And we're back with Daniel T. Kelly. And at this time, for those of you who have tuned in, you already know what a co-op is, but for those of you who may not know, a co-op is defined as a jointly owned enterprise engaging the production or distribution of goods or supplying services operated by its members for their mutual benefit, typically organized by consumers or farmers. As Vernon would say, uh, co-op is any business. We're going to go over some of the co-op principles a little bit later and tie them in to all of what Daniel Kelly has been doing over the course of these 30-plus years. But before we took a break, Mr. Kelly, we were talking about um, agribusiness and how the, the uh, bank system helped with the uh, difficult time during the Great Recession that we had in 2008. And I'm noticing and looking in your background that AgriVisor, a grain and livestock marketing analysis and brokerage service, was initiated during your tenure, and it, it proved to be rather beneficial. And wondered if you can share a little information about that period and, and how you were able to generate other operational capabilities that allowed the farmers to sustain and weather through the very difficult period.
1: Well, Pat, as we uh, as you think about uh, knowledge being power and knowledge uh, helping one to make better decisions, uh, AgriVisor was an important part of the GrowMark system in terms of being able to provide marketing advice, uh, market analysis to to producers, and there was also a bit of advice in terms of pricing uh, inputs, so most more less, most likely uh, fuel. Uh, rather than other inputs. And so uh, as we, the AgriVisor program had actually been started by Illinois Farm Bureau and became a joint venture with Growmark as it tied in primarily with our grain uh, business. And so as we tried to help producers uh, weather the uh, financial crisis, and agriculture actually came through the financial crisis better than most businesses because of our export demand and weaker dollar. and a variety of uh, issues that helped improve our prices. But being able to take advantage of those prices, and, and not only for today's market, but for future's market, is what uh, AgriVisor was helpful in doing and helped farmers to, uh, to lock in some profitable prices and be able to sustain themselves while other businesses were struggling.
0: Yes, uh, my core business is actually marketing. So and and it's really interesting that you said information is is power because the theme of this particular radio station is that information is power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> We're
1: tied closely together. That's
0: yeah. great. A- a- Absolutely, because one of the things I always tell people is that many businesses, in fact, most startups fail. Over ninety percent of startup businesses fail in the first year, and. If I work with a business, when they're starting up, they generally say, I don't have enough money for advertising. And I try to share with them that you don't have enough money not to advertise. And then when they (laughs) fail, they say, well, I never had enough money to advertise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that has to be part of the business plan in any uh, organization, including startups, you're exactly right.
0: Now, you know, you speak about how integral a part that, AgriVisor became to growing the business and helping the business make it through that difficult period, um, it actually takes me to the point of how big GrowMark became because uh, GrowMark is one of the biggest um, companies in the cooperative world. And I understand that you all were able to give back quite a bit in terms of uh, monies to your to your coop- cooperative uh, community. Tell us a little bit about GrowMark and how all of that unfolded.
1: Well, uh, when I uh, first joined the board of Growmark in 1995, uh, it was a very diversified cooperative, and we run the feed business, livestock business, grains, and other supplies. As I mentioned, and, and um, actually, we're having a bit of a struggle in terms of profitability, and that if we're not profitable, being able to pla- pass back. Uh, some of our profitability to our members as one of the co-op principles was it was very difficult if not impossible and so in uh, late 1998-99 we decided that with the management and I don't want to take nearly uh, take all the credit for this I was there and I was part of the decision making but there were many others involved we restructured our business and uh concentrated on the things that we thought we were best at, that being the supply, fertilizer, seed, and fuel businesses, as well as the grain business. And as a result of that, uh, then we uh, we made a decision that uh, we were going to need to grow, and so we acquired a couple of businesses uh, uh, on the East Coast.
0: speak about your patronage program and the figure that I read in terms of the patronage that you've been able to give back over the years was pretty high. Um, Can you explain the whole concept of patronage? And you've already said that Growmark was a co-op of cooperatives. If you could elaborate on that a little bit, it would help our audience to understand because many people think that a co-op, the only thing they understand is a credit union and when i get them to understand that concept it's hard for them to drill down into how that plays out so i think this is a good example uh for people to realize how big a co-op can become because the other misconception about cooperatives is that uh, because it's not seeking the profit more so than the 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 product and the quality that it never grows to high heights and you're never able to get back much so maybe you can uh Demystify that myth, and uh, tell us a little bit about that patronage and how that funnels out.
1: Okay, well, as as being a cooperative owned by cooperatives, uh, I actually have ownership only in my local co-op, and then the local cooperative is the actually buys or sells products through the through Growmark the regional cooperative, if you can use that concept. The regional cooperative encompasses several states, and then the members, the FS members within those states that do business with GrowMark through either purchased stock, uh, which is a minimal amount, $1,000, or they can acquire ownership through the patronage program because when GrowMark issues patronage, it starts out at basically 50% cash and 50% stock, and so, and then there's a minimum investment, uh, which is probably more complicated than we can get into mm-hmm. today. But basically, uh, so once a member acquires some ownership in the stock, then that in, includes voting rights, and the voting rights are primarily to elect directors to the local board in the case of local farmer, or in the case of Growmark. The local cooperative had voting rights to elect directors such as myself when I served on the board for 18 years. And so then the board of directors is charged with responsibility of managing the business, uh, setting policy, and strategic direction. Uh, we manage the business by electing a, a chief executive officer and then select staff with various skills to run the business. When that business is profitable, as GrowMark has been in in recent years, the decision then becomes, are we going to continue to grow to the business? Do we need capital to grow? So do we retain part of our earnings? And what we do not need to retain for growth or financial stability, then we pass back to those local cooperatives. And so, as you said, that's been millions of dollars over the past uh, several years as GrowMark has been uh, quite profitable. and. So you can see that as we were growing from $1 to $10 billion, acquiring assets and facilities, we needed capital to do that. Some of that we used for our own capital, and then others we borrowed through the farm credit system, CoBank. And uh, so cooperating among cooperatives and distributing our patronage uh, cash flow back to members is uh, a couple of the important concepts of cooperatives.
0: And it certainly certainly has worked to the benefit. And you said several million dollars. In any given year, what was the largest amount that you gave back as a patronage?
1: Uh, now you're going to test my memory a bit. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to say it was uh, probably in excess of three, 250 to $300 million.
0: Yeah, I knew that. the figure was pretty, pretty large. Well... And we'll come back to speak more about um, some of the other activities that you were involved in, but we've come up on an opportunity to take another pause. So I'm going to suggest to you that you can call in at 1-800-450-7876. That's 1-800-450-7876. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. News updates on the web at WOLDCnews.com. And we're back with Daniel T. Kelly. He's the former chairman of the board and president of Growmark, Inc. Uh, I know that, um, actually, you recently retired as the board chairman and president of the agricultural supply cooperative, Growmark, Inc., Mr. Kelly. And you have continued to work in the cooperative movement. As a matter of fact, I show here where you're on the boards of CoBank and Illinois' Agricultural Leadership Foundation. And I understand, are you still chairing the Agricultural Leadership Foundation?
1: Yes, I am. uh, I've held that position, I think this is the third year, and served on that board uh, for probably six or seven years. Uh, I graduated from that program in 1984, and so this was way to... give back to the program by giving some of my time to further the uh, purposes and uh, opportunities of the Ag Leadership Program.
0: I, I know and looking at your, your bio and your history, the leadership program played a, an important role in, in your development. As you're saying, you're giving back to the program. If you could share a little bit about the program, the validity of the program, it might help our audience to understand more about the Agricultural Leadership Foundation because it's proven to be integral to many people's lives.
1: Well, it certainly has. Uh, We've had people that have gone through the program that have served in the Illinois Department of Agriculture, uh, the American Soybean Association, the uh, Corn Growers, Farm Bureau, uh, a variety of organizations. The purpose of the program is to provide opportunities for uh, people from the age of 25 to 49 to develop their leadership skills. And as a result of developing those leadership skills, become involved in various agricultural and community organizations and also be better prepared to speak on the issues that uh, affect agriculture, whether they be local zoning issues or congressional uh, issues, uh, such as farm bills. And so as a result of that, uh, each year, every other year, I should say, we uh, prepare 30 individuals to that have had some leadership experience, So whether it be on a local school board or a local farm bureau or an FS company, maybe an agribusiness, and then uh, provide an opportunity over the course of two years with probably, I think there's 12 or 13 seminars during that period of time that Most of them are three days. We do have a national trip to D.C. that takes a a week, and then an international trip that takes most of two weeks to, uh, again, expand their thinking, expand their knowledge. And, again, relating back to knowledge is power, being able to understand that there are opposing views uh, that are current agricultural practices, why people have those. Do they have validity, or do we need to counter them in some way? And so that's the Ag Leadership Program. There have been uh, almost 500 individuals over uh, now 30-plus years that have gone through the program. I was fortunate to be in the first class of that in 1983 and 84. And uh, I often think back to the lessons learned and the opportunities I had in those two years that have helped me to uh, be a better leader in the organizations that I've been involved with. So uh, I'm very uh, positive about the program and, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, trying to help give back and support that program in a variety of ways uh, currently so that other leaders can uh, emerge, emerge from there and continue to uh, support agriculture where needed.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And as a matter of fact, you speak of leadership and the leadership skills and abilities that you garnered from participating in that program. And it actually makes me think about a comment that was made in your testimonial video by a gentleman who I believe worked with you as you led one of the organizations. And he mentioned that you're just a true leader, that every time you work in an organization, you tend to rise to the leadership role. I know when you said that you first joined Evergreen FS, you you didn't even think you were going to be appointed to the board, but it it seems to me, and looking over your history and your involvement in the cooperative movement, that you're willing to assume a leadership role and to help to move people forward. Tell us a little bit about that impetus and what inspires you to go the distance, because you tend to go the extra mile.
1: Well, um, Everett Dabrinsky, who you you just mentioned, the Current chairman of CoBank was very kind in his remarks, but I guess as I think about the, you know, the role of leaders, sometimes it's saying yes, and when you think I don't have time or I don't have the skills, and uh, you find yourself, you know, developing. Sometimes leaders, uh, until they're put to the test, don't realize they're leaders, and so I think getting involved and, and committing to a cause. I mean, to a purpose, and then uh, sometimes it's a matter of timing and sometimes it's a matter of opportunity. But uh, I also think that uh, you do need to have a certain desire to lead in order to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to have the support, obviously, of your team, whether that's a board of directors or uh, any type of team. You have to have those that are a leader by himself is not a leader. Leaders have to have people that support them and believe in them. And so having credibility and having uh, high standards, having the ability to uh, articulate your message are important qualities of leaders. I honed those a bit in 83 and 84. And, again, every uh, every speech that I've given or every decision that I've made, uh, I'm better off after I've done that when I get ready to make the next speech or the next decision. And so it's an on-the-job training uh, always. Uh, continuing education is important no matter uh, how, uh, how young or how old you are and uh, staying in tune with what's going on and staying abreast of issues. And, but, again, uh, a leader could be a lonely position uh, at times, but uh, if you don't, you definitely need the support of, of your team behind you to uh, to make your your leadership effective.
0: Oh, absolutely. You do it so well. You know, what's what's really interesting in looking at the history of all that you've done, I was working with a person whom I'll mention at this time as opposed to the end of the program. I thank Sandy for going through all the necessary steps to make this interview possible, and I really appreciate uh, all the help that she's given. But one of the things she kept saying to me as we were planning your, your appearance here today is that... You still have to get to the farm. Are you still running a farm?
1: Oh yes, I am. I, uh, in fact, uh, when we uh, are done with the interview here, I found uh, a bit of missing corn. Uh, operator error, my error in terms of uh, uh, getting uh, had a, a few rows of corn that didn't get planted correctly, and so I'm going to go out and do that after this interview, and hopefully I'm done planting for the year. But uh, I do. I uh, work with my brothers and and my nephew and my son. On the corn and soybean acres here uh, in central Illinois, we're located two hours south of Chicago, uh, between Chicago and St. Louis, so two and a half hours from St. Louis uh, north and uh, right in the center of Illinois. And, yeah, uh, I've done that uh, since, uh, as we said earlier, 1970 and continue to do that. Eventually my son will take over the operation, so he's working with us in the process. But uh, I also want to thank Sandy, too. uh, uh, getting this uh, coordinated to uh, match everyone's schedule. Uh, uh, she did a great job of putting this together, and uh, she and the folks at Nationwide have been very supportive in my uh, my efforts, uh, both at the Hall of Fame and throughout the years I've served on that board as well.
0: That's fantastic, yes. You, you mentioned um, your sons are entering the business, and I know you received a degree, I believe, in agriculture, and when you first went to work with your brothers – did you ever think that you would end up here?
1: You know, uh, no, there was no grand plan. I uh, My only goal in 1970 was to rent some acreage and was successful in that with a uh, neighbor lady whose husband had passed away, and, and she was renting her farm out, and uh, her tenant uh, had uh, changed, uh, uh, took on some other acreage, and so she was looking for someone to farm her land, and so I rented that, and... Uh, when I got married in 1971, and uh, uh, my my total goal was to be a successful farmer and didn't have any uh, aspirations to be on a co-op board or be on any board, for that matter. And then over time, I became chair of our young leader program, uh, Farm Bureau program here in the, the county, and then uh, got exposed to the co-op system through that, and uh, then uh was nominated for the board, was elected to the board. And now every step of the way, I've, I've thought, uh, you know, this is it. I'm not going to do any more. And uh, it's been an interesting, uh, I guess, 40, 45 years of, uh, of involvement, not only with production agriculture, but with the various cooperatives, mutual organizations. And it's taken me to uh, places I never dreamed about or never thought about in terms of uh, opportunities for myself and my family, and uh, so it's been enjoyable. There's been challenging days, but overall, uh, you you forget the tough times and you remember the good times that we had.
0: Absolutely. Now, you mentioned that you and your brothers were farming together. Was there a farm in existence before you entered the business, after you received your agricultural degree? Yes,
1: I I actually, uh, through grade school and high school farmed with my father, and uh, uh, he never expected me to to continue farming. He thought I would get an education and go off and do do something else, and uh, I I started out actually, uh, we we had a grain and livestock farm at the time, and it was a a moderate-sized farm for the day, probably uh, 350 or 400 acres. Uh, which was fairly typical at that time because everyone had uh, some cows or chickens, pigs, whatever. But uh, over time, uh, we've concentrated just on corn and soybeans and uh, do not have livestock. And so uh, then in 1970, I'm the oldest of the family. Uh, When I graduated college, I rented some land. And then as my brothers graduated college, uh, they also... uh, Rented some additional land, or acquired some land uh, through purchases over the years, and so as a result, uh, we run about 3,500 acres today. And uh, we're in the, like I said, I I'm I'm in the early stages of a transition to to my son taking over, and so uh, he'll be the uh, fifth generation that's run uh, part of this acreage. Uh, and uh, and that's that's again typical that farmers uh, pass their operations on generation to generation if if at all possible
0: now did you expect your son to want to go into the business and have any of your other brother's children decided to go into the business
1: i have a nephew that's uh just started in the business but uh, no my son actually uh, has a degree in uh, criminal justice and he worked in the uh, juvenile uh, probation programs for a few years and uh uh, currently, he is a 9 one dispatcher for our local police and fire department on a part-time basis. Uh, he uh, did that full-time for a while, and then as his children uh, became more active in athletics and school activities, uh, he was looking maybe not to be quite so committed to a uh, schedule or even an overtime schedule, as those are 7 by 24 operations, obviously, mm-hmm. and, it, and I was quite involved at that time in the cooperative activities that we've discussed. And so I was needing some help on the farm and he was looking for an opportunity to get back to the farm. And so he's been back now five years on a full-time basis on the farm and continues to work part-time as a 911 dispatcher. And uh, we have two daughters who are all, are both here in town as well here locally. One works for an insurance company another works at a high school and uh, so our family's all here close by, and uh, I moved three times, and I'm a mile from home. if that's unusual,
0: too. Oh, that's that's actually wonderful. You know, um, you have an extreme commitment to community service, and we're going to take our final break, and we're going to come back and talk about your involvement with Nationwide and your commitment to service and giving back. So if you can stay with us, we'll invite our audience to call you at one 800 That's 1-800-450-7876. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. And we're back. And you have one final opportunity to call in to speak with Mr. Kelly. You can dial in at 1-800-450-7876. That's 1-800-450-7876. And, of course, I had saved your current involvement for the last segment, Mr. Kelly. And um, I I realize in, in looking at many of the things that you've done in the course of your your career, uh, one of the things that is very, very consistent is your desire and your um, commitment to giving back to the community. So I, I want to give you an opportunity to tell a little bit about you know, that commitment that you have and some of the things that you've been able to do.
1: Well, I, uh, I think some of the best leaders are those that are servant leaders. And so as a result of uh, appreciation for what I've been given and appreciation for what uh, our family's been given, it's, uh, it's important that we uh, we give back in some way and everyone has their different, you know, it's a matter of time, treasure, talent in many cases. And, not everyone has the treasury that's able to uh, give back to the community in that way, but I also uh, think that giving of, of oneself to make your communities better. Uh, we all are benef- have benefited by those ahead of us, and as I said, uh, the uh, the night of the induction, uh, we all stand taller when we stand on the shoulders of others, and so I yeah. I've been able to. Uh, through my work with Ag Leadership Program and, and local, uh, the University Alumni Association, uh, we were able to uh, establish a scholarship at the university in our family's name so that we can uh, help agricultural students. So I, uh, I just believe that uh, it's part of our obligation as citizens of this country to, uh, to help others in, in the way that we determine best, and uh, we'll all be better off because of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And as mentioned previously as well, while you retired from GROMAR, you actually still are active on, on many boards. And, and one of your current commitments is with Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. And I know Vernon was, was wondering how Nationwide, what's the cooperative involvement with Nationwide? So perhaps you can share that uh, with our audience, because when folks hear nationwide, and they think insurance. They don't think co-op. So you can share that and share a little bit about your involvement with Nationwide.
1: Okay. Well, I uh, currently do serve on the board of Nationwide, and I've served on that board uh, since 2006. The a mutual insurance company is very much like a cooperative in many ways in terms of the purpose that they. Uh, serve are to protect in the case of nationwide to protect things that are most valuable in people's lives and so their own a mutual organization is owned by the policyholders and with each policy that you take out and you may not know it it's probably it's in the print but you may not read it as uh, the main purpose for purchasing that insurance but you become a, uh, a policyholder but you also have voting rights so within that policy to elect directors and so as a result of that similarity, again, with the cooperative system, Nationwide has a, an agricultural insurance portion of its business. And so Evergreen FS and Growmark system, their primary or insurance carrier is Nationwide Agribusiness, uh, which is, again, a subsidiary company of Nationwide. And so cooperation among cooperatives, cooperation among mutuals is important to uh, ensuring that cooperatives, uh, organizations, uh, continue to be successful. Uh, insurance is a necessary part of our lives, and uh, we're able to provide that through uh, a mutual organization.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned cooperation amongst cooperatives, and that's the sixth principle of the cooperative principles. And I, I know that as you go through in terms of working with nationwide and as you continue to work on several of these boards, it becomes important to leave a legacy. And in terms of legacy, what would you like for your legacy to be as it relates to all of this?
1: Well, I I believe that, you know, the goal, I believe, of any leader is to leave the organization stronger and better than they were when we joined the board. And, uh, You know, part of that can be measured by by financial success, and we've talked about Promark and how it's grown. Uh, CoBank, the same way, it's uh, probably almost three times what it was when I first joined the board, and Nationwide continues to be uh, strong financially. And my local co-op, too, has expanded from one county to five and and, uh, has uh, had great success. So financial success is part of it, but it's really coming back to
0: to the world of cooperatives, as evidenced by your becoming a part of the Hall of Fame. And what's next for you?
1: Traveling, the adage, the more frequent flyer miles you have, the less you want to use them. Uh, There is some validity in that because traveling uh, is uh, not what it used to be. But uh, overall, I I enjoy uh, being involved in the local community as well as in these national uh, organizations. And uh, so I will continue to stay on Nationwide's board and CoBank's board for a few more years, the ag leadership program as well uh, for a while yet. But... uh, Eventually, if uh, if these leadership programs are successful, well, we've got some younger, more energetic people to take the positions that I have, and again, we'll, uh, we'll be better off as a result of that.
0: Well, you know, in all of my research and learning about leaders and in, in my own leadership program, I attended Leadership Maryland, and one of the things that was brought out to us is that leaders, true leaders, very rarely seek opportunities to lead but are heavily sought after. And so I I believe that, you know, when you establish yourself such as you have done, that people will always be seeking. You said you've been approached to participate in yet another activity, another valuable entity, if you will. Would you say in the course of the history of your involvement in cooperatives, Along the way, it, it seems that many of the activities you've participated in, the boards that you've become a part of, the movements that you've become a part of, it's been out of a, a sense of need.
1: Well, it, it has, and you know, I, I think there is truth in that. If you want to get something done, ask a busy person to do it, uh, because uh, they will figure out uh, if it's important. They will figure out a way to get uh, get involved and, and get something done, and so. I I look back in the time that I put into uh, cooperatives and and other organizations. I I believe that uh, there was never one of those that I accepted that I thought, I'm going to do this to fill my time. It was, do I have time to do this? And so as a result of that, uh, I think uh, there will always be uh, a need for people to be involved. And uh, I think if you find a cause that's worthy, saying yes, and then if you say yes, make sure that you're saying yes with a commitment to take the time and put in the effort necessary to uh, fulfill your responsibility.
0: Oh, absolutely, and as would be the case, that's a that's a very good point at which to turn the show over to you because I want to thank you for participating in this show, and also uh, Vernon Oaks wishes to thank you. Vernon was trying to get in, actually, uh, to call in, and had some difficulties doing so, but um, we certainly want to uh, thank Vernon Oaks and thank you for participating and give you the last minute to share with our listening audience what you would like to share with them most.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. As I said, 45 years ago, I never looked at uh, cooperatives as uh, something I was going to be involved with. And uh, what I found is that uh, the reason, probably part of the reason for success is people found strengths in me that I didn't know I had. And so uh, my typing teacher in high school nominated me for a local Rotary Club recognition, and my ag teacher in high school encouraged me to apply for a state farmer degree, which I received. And so I guess as I think about uh, wrapping up here, uh, my adage is to, uh, as the One Minute Manager, the book One Minute Manager said, find people doing something right, and you will serve them well. We can all be critics, but if you find someone doing something right, uh, tap them on the shoulder, pat them on the back, you and they will be better served.
0: Well, thank you so much for participating, and thanks for all you continue to do. Thanks, Sandy, and I hope you are continually blessed. Well,
1: thank you, and uh, thanks to to those in your listening audience for uh, listening. Thanks for the interview, and uh, we look forward to uh, continuing the cooperative movement to be successful over the years.
0: Take care. We thank Alonzo. I'm Pat Thornton signing off for Everything Co op. You have a blessed week. 1450, WOL.